amazing story for ourselves. It's in verses 1 to 16. This is Matthew 20, verses 1 to 16. This is God's word for us, his people, this morning. Jesus says, For the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard. And going out about the third hour, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And to them he said, You go into the vineyard too, and whatever is right, I will give you. So they went. Going out again about the sixth hour and the ninth hour, he did the same. And about the eleventh hour, he went out and found others standing. And he said to them, Why do you stand here idle all day? They said, No one has hired us. He said to them, You go into the vineyard too. And when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Call the laborers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last up to the first. And when those hired about the eleventh hour came, each of them received a denarius. Now when those hired first came, they thought they would receive more, but each of them also received a denarius. And on receiving it, they grumbled at the master of the house, saying, These last worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But he replied to one of them, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last worker as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge my generosity? So the last will be first, and the first last. This is God's word for us this morning. Let's pray and ask for his help to understand it. Father, we thank you that you've given us your word. And we pray now that you would send us your spirit, that you would show us our hearts, and that you would show us our Savior. And we pray all of these things in Christ's name. Amen. This is a story about what the kingdom of God is like. So let's walk back through and see if we can tease out some of what is happening here. The master of a house goes out early in the morning, we'll say around 6 a.m., which was starting time in ancient Israel, and he goes out to hire day laborers to work in his vineyard. So he goes to the marketplace where you would find such laborers, and he finds some, and they agree to a wage, and that wage was one denarius. A denarius was uh, about a day's wage for a laborer. So this was a fair rate. This was the market rate for labor. Uh, It might be about $150, uh, $150 to $200 in today's money. So he hires these guys at 6 a.m. They have agreed on a wage, and they've gone, and they're working in the vineyard. And at 9 a.m., he realizes he's going to need some more help. And so he goes back to the marketplace, and he finds other laborers. And he says, hey, go work, uh, go to the vineyard, and I will pay you at the end of the day what is right. He does the same thing at noon and at 3 p.m. 
He keeps needing more help. It gets to be 5 p.m., one hour left until quitting time, and he realizes he still needs additional help, and so he goes back to the marketplace, and he finds more workers who are still there. Now, the guys that you hire at 5 p.m., this is not the cream of the crop. These aren't your go-getters. These are not straight shooters with upper management written all over them. These are the guys who couldn't get work the whole day. And the master says, you go into the vineyard and work, and I will pay you what is right. He sends them to work as well. Well, almost immediately after those guys get there, and they work for a little bit, maybe even a full hour, it gets to be 6 p.m., which in ancient Israel was quitting time. And so the master has the foreman who sort of superintends all of the labor happening in the vineyard. He has them assemble the workers in a line and hand out the pay. And the master says, I want you to pay the last arriving workers first all the way down to the end of the line where the first uh, arriving workers are. So the guy, you can imagine him handing out envelopes with cash in them. And he hands, it, he hands an envelope to a guy who's been working there for an hour or less. And the guy opens it up and finds a denarius. Like 150 bucks for an, hour's late, an hour of work. And he's thinking, like, you know that guy's not saying anything. He is sure that this is an accounting mistake. And he kind of puts his head down and walks very quickly away from the vineyard. And, and as people hear what's happening going down the line. They're gauging the reaction, and there's murmurs that this guy is paying a denarius an hour. He's paying like $150 an hour to these people who have just been day laborers, and this just went from labor wages to like lawyer wages. Like this is going to be a huge payday. The guy who has been working there for 12 hours thinks And you get all the way down to the end of the line where this guy who's been working in the heat for 12 hours is waiting with eager expectation for thousands of dollars. And he opens the envelope and finds that he has been enrolled in the Jelly of the Month Club. No, he gets a denarius. He gets 150 bucks and he has suddenly gone from thinking this is an amazing day to thinking this is the worst day possible. And he begins grumbling against the master of the house. He's thinking, like, I worked all day. I slaved in the heat for you, and you just made this guy who worked for 45 minutes equal to me. Imagine how you would feel in the same situation. You would be frustrated. You would be angry. You would feel like your dignity and your very worth as an employee had just been called into questions. It would be like you sorted beans for minutes and received the same donut that everybody else got just for being there. It wouldn't be super fair. But the master responds to this worker who is frustrated and angry. He says, hey man, you agreed to work For a denarius. I'm not defrauding you. I'm paying you what I agreed to pay you. So take what you earned and go. Get out of here. I choose to pay these last workers the same thing I'm paying you, and it's my money. You just don't like my generosity. In the Greek, 
Uh, The phrase there that gets translated, or do you begrudge my generosity, it actually says, or is your eye evil because I am good? Which I like even more than begrudging my generosity. Is your eye evil because I'm good? Jesus ends this parable by saying, so the last will be first and the first will be last. This is what the kingdom is like. And if you're paying attention, this is unsettling. Like, what does it mean that Jesus is saying this is what the kingdom is like? It's interesting. In the parables, you might say that there are some stock images that Jesus draws upon. Uh, And this is a parable full of what we might call stock footage. Uh, But you've got a vineyard, which is a common image that Jesus uses in his parables. And the vineyard uh, usually, or in fact always, stands for the kingdom. Uh, Anytime you see a vineyard in the parables, Jesus is talking about the kingdom. Anytime you see a master in the parables, you have God. God always is the master. And the laborers, whenever you see laborers in a parable, they always stand for God's people. Several parables use these exact same ingredients and characters and setting. So what is it? that this parable is teaching us about the kingdom. What is this teaching us about the gospel? Let me just get this out of the way. The first thing this is not teaching us is a good incentive structure for your compensation packages at work. This is not a great pay scheme for employee morale. Uh, I would not recommend that you adopt this practice because you will not have employees for very long. Uh, It is not saying that. This is not a prescription for how to pay your employees. Instead, what I think Jesus is doing in this parable is illustrating for us what our own hearts look like. And in particular, Jesus is showing us our hearts, especially in the workers who were hired first and labored all day in the vineyard. And what it shows us about our hearts is that we have a temptation to keep score. One commentator says we have a uh, a tendency towards bookkeeping, a bookkeeping heart. Let me give you an example of what that might look like. And this example comes from the New York Times that has a column that runs occasionally called Modern Love which is just uh, small vignettes and stories about people in relationships. So this is a, a quote from one column. It goes like this. Closing the whirlpool door with an exaggerated swagger, Christopher rolled down his Oxford sleeves and said, just unloaded the dishwasher. I stared at him. I had loaded the dishwasher that same day without feeling the need to tell anyone. I've heard him tell clients, if you fail to define your brand, your competition will. It took me a while to realize that he was applying the principles of branding to our marriage. This is not going well. (laughs) After our son was born, there was so much to do in so little time that everything turned into a negotiation. Whose turn it was to sleep in, who got a night out with friends, etc. 
Without any division of labor or set roles, we each thought we were doing everything because we were. While he never actually came out and said, I do more than you, he didn't need to. By consistently claiming credit for everything he did, he was dominating the dialogue in our new domestic world order and positioning himself as the winner in the who is doing more fight. Bookkeeping, right? It's bookkeeping. It's keeping a ledger of who is doing what, and I imagine that maybe even in your own relationships, you may have experienced dynamics somewhat similar to what we just looked at. And here's the reality. We do this all the time. We have hearts that love bookkeeping. We do this with chores if it feels like we are doing more than everyone else. Or if you have kids, you'll see them arguing about who is doing more in terms of responsibilities around the house. You see it with workload, maybe even in your places of business and employment where it feels like maybe you're doing everything and you've got a slacker right down the hall who's doing nothing. And why should you be penalized for being so much more capable and competent than that person by having to stay so busy? You see it when you dish out desserts to people. They're like, hey, that guy got, that guy got more than I did. Yep. Bookkeeping. You see it in your neighborhoods when you wonder why your lawn looks so good and your neighbor is clearly just not really caring this year. And you're thinking like, hey, come on, man, let's mow a little bit. And you keep like trimming just a little more over the property line, hoping that he'll get the, get the picture, right? You're going to, we do it all the time. We tend to overestimate what we've done and we underestimate what other people do. And we have bookkeeping hearts. We do it in the church too. It's not just something that happens in our lives outside of Sundays. We do it in the church. The longer we work in the kingdom, the easier it is to be suspicious of or resentful towards latecomers and newcomers. Sometimes in the church we're worried about freeloaders, people that just sort of come and consume and don't actually pull their weight around the church. And we can be really tempted to believe that the kingdom or the church belongs to those who've been there the longest, not the master. This is a temptation we see throughout the Bible. It's a temptation we see throughout the New Testament in particular. This is the temptation of the older brother in the parable of the prodigal son who begrudges the father's generosity with the ne'er-do-well younger brother. This is the temptation of Martha who resents Mary for sitting at Jesus' feet and enjoying him while she is slaving away trying to put hors d'oeuvres and tea out on the table. This is where the parable helps us. Because think about what the master's response to the bookkeeping heart is. It's a question. Is your eye evil because I am good? Is your eye evil because I am good? You see, friends, the evil eye loves bookkeeping. And the bookkeeping heart ultimately resents the master because it makes us think that our labors in the kingdom have somehow put God in our debt. Like he should just be grateful of all we are willing to do for him. 
The bookkeeping heart wants the master to be fair. But the good news of the gospel is that God is not an overscrupulous parent who is shopping at midnight on Christmas Eve for a stocking stuffer that costs $3.72 so that all of the kids have received gifts of equal financial value. The bookkeeping heart wants the master to be fair, but the master is something better than fair. God is something better than fair. God is generous. God shows us grace. And friends, when we demand from God what we think we have earned, God reminds us again and again and again that he gives us not what we have earned, but more, always more. Ultimately, God's grace is the thing that ends our bookkeeping because grace teaches us that in the kingdom there are not insiders and outsiders. There are not hard workers and freeloaders. There's not an A team and a B team. The gospel teaches us that all of us are freeloaders. All of us are. We are all freeloaders. We bring nothing God does everything, and then God rejoices over us. And what that means is that our labors in the kingdom, the work that we do on behalf of the church as we seek to love God and love our neighbors, all of that is a response to God's grace, not a way to earn his favor. Friends, God's grace is not opposed to effort. Grace doesn't mean we don't ever have to do anything. Grace is opposed to earning. We never earn anything from God. Jesus is warning us in this parable not to have the heart of the first workers. Because friends, at the end of the day, the kingdom of heaven is not a place for party poopers. The kingdom of heaven is not a place for those who think that they have earned a right to be there. The kingdom of heaven is a party for those who realize they have received a profound generosity from God. The great theologian Groucho Marx once noted that he refused to join any club that would have him as a member. The kingdom of heaven is a club that would have people like us as a member, a, a club that includes freeloaders like us. You see, friends, in Jesus, we have received far more than we could ever hope to earn. We have worked zero hours, and we have received eternal blessings. Jesus pays the full price of a righteousness we can't even attempt. And then amazingly, Jesus delights over our paltry, half-hearted labors like we've done something impressive. In Christ, though we often have the heart of the first worker, we always have the wallet of the last. And friends, when it's quitting time, we are invited to a party we couldn't afford and a party we could never earn. And we enjoy that party for all of eternity. It's good news. Would you pray with me?
Father, we thank you that in Christ we have received grace upon grace. Father, we thank you that grace is not about earning, but grace invites us to respond to all you have given and to work diligently in your kingdom because you love us and delight in us. Father, anchor us in the truth of this gospel that we bring nothing. You do everything and then rejoice over us. Father, even now as we come to your table, we pray that you would be at work in us, that you would take this ordinary bread and this ordinary cup and use them for an extraordinary purpose to make us more like Jesus and to end our bookkeeping hearts. We pray all of these things in Christ's name. Amen.